WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Hey, what's going on, everybody? You are listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on the Impact. My name is Scott. I've got two guys in here with me. Brandon probably will be joining us shortly. He's in the other room. But coming back, as always, we have Pavel. Hello. And you might remember this voice from a few weeks ago, Clark. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's probably all that he's allowed to do now. He just ruined it for himself. Sounds like Duff Man from The Simpsons. He does. We made the comment. Clark's, Clark's got the radio voice. He works in a very, very small radio At station. Least I don't have come. the radio looks. Oh. Oh. Ouch. That yes. hurts. Thank you. That hurts. So, for me. Good, good weekend for Michigan State football. Is, we can start off with that. You know, we won over Northwestern. It was, we thought it was going to be a closer game than what it ended up being. I think the final score was 37-20. to 20, And it looked good for Michigan State, not going to lie. I was impressed by the discipline of the team. We came out early, and we actually didn't lose the lead for once. We actually held it through the third and even through the fourth quarter. I've been... Waiting for this moment for quite some years, seeing that I lived through the John L. era. You know, that was painful, but I, I was glad to see the discipline and able to retain a lead for once. I was impressed. I was really impressed also because this would be a typical game the old Spartans would lose. This would be a typical game that they would go on the road no matter how good they were. They could have been 7-0 and this year. They would have gone into Northwestern, made mistakes, found a way to lose. But... They jumped out early, and that's what you got to do on the road. Right. And they continued to press. They conti- They didn't ever let down. And I'm, I'm just impressed, and I'm happy that you can finally see that Michigan State football is really taking that next step. And we're starting turn to the turn corner. the corner. Exactly. Turn the corner, absolutely. And I'm looking right here, the scoring by quarter. First quarter, we jumped out. We are up 17 nothing at the end of the first quarter. Every quarter after that, we tied them. 7-7, 10-10, 3-3. We kept the 17-point lead the whole way through. And the key to it was there were no turnovers but for us. Brian Hoyer didn't have that impressive of a game. He didn't have that bad of a game. I, I differ. 14 of 20 passing. That's uh, the best passing game of the year. It, was, it wasn't flashy. That's uh, probably a better way to put it for me. It wasn't flashy. He just played not to lose. He was very efficient. Didn't turn the ball over, which is very important for him, especially with big games coming up here in the near future. For him to limit turnovers, it was huge. And, of course, Javon Ringer, we gave the ball to him 35 times. times. He ran for 124 yards. Not a great average. He had a couple touchdowns. I mean, we just did enough. Our defense, we gave up a lot of yards, and it makes it look like our defense didn't do that much, but they were on the field for a long time, Mm -hmm. and there were drives that, I mean, the end of the game, Northwestern was driving. I think they drove probably 90 yards, and last play of the game, we deflected a pass in the end zone. So there's 100 extra yards there that don't count. And the thing, the great thing, our special teams were unbelievable. Stellar. Stellar. Glenn Winston. Winston, the true freshman. Yeah. He got his first touch last week, kick, returning kicks. And he's a running back, and he, he's he got some speed. He's a bigger guy. Opening kickoff, he returned it to the 50-yard line and just ran over their kicker. It was, I mean, you think maybe he tried to go around him. No, he just lowered his shoulder and ran right over him. Our starting field position on the day 
had to be about the 45-yard line. That That is huge because even if you figure, even then if we don't get a first down or anything, we're still punting and putting them back inside their own 20 to start with. That's how the yardage advantage was so heavily in Northwestern's favor. For them to score, they had to go 80 yards. For us to score, we had to go 50 yards. That's why, I mean, Pam Ward was calling the game, and Clark and I had talked about it. Oh, I'm not, not a fan. I'm not, that? I'm not a fan of Pam him. Ward. Yeah, and towards the end, they, they just, her and Ray Bentley, they would not stop commenting on how much, how... Northwestern's dominated on offense and doing all this, and they're but ahead they in rushing, ahead in passing, ahead in score. Exactly. And they're like, well, think about it. If you get the ball in the 50, you can only go 50 yards to score. And that's what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Brett Swenson had another fantastic game. He was 3-for-3 three three kicking field goals and long of 42. And, actually, he missed his first kick of the season against Matt Cal. Cal. And since then, he has made 15 straight don't they have uh, in college football like the Golden Foot Award or something like that? It's the Groza Award, I do believe. Is that might be punting? He's got to be top five. He's, in he's that top category. three for that. He was actually named Big Ten Special Teams Player of the Week this week, and he broke Paul Edinger's school record of thirteen consecutive field goals made, and now he extended it to, to 15. fifteen. Yeah, it, it's it's amazing the turnaround from special teams, John L. Era. You would be holding your breath that we would actually catch the punt on a return. John Allen. You know, we're not even worried if it's we return. Terry Love used to be able to catch with his shoulder. DeMond it was amazing. Williams always made me nervous. DeMond yeah. Williams. John L. he was the one who went past the IM field and picked up our kicker. Remember that? Was that it? Uh, well, Matt Hoy? Yeah. And yeah. then, and then uh, Chips Ahoy. And then there's John Goss, all those fellow faces. Oh, that, that name. John Goss John directly Goss. related to the Michigan game. I I oh, actually yeah. I actually thought of John Goss because I was watching watching the state game. Of course, on the bottom line, they had an upset alert going, and I was like, okay, fine. And I look, and it's Toledo against <laughs> Michigan. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So I look, and I said, well, I can find the game. It's on Big Ten Network. I turn it on. Michigan's got the ball with like. 13 seconds left. They're driving. They get it down in field goal position. Michigan's down 13-10, to 10, and they're set up with four seconds left to kick a field goal from the right hash. Were they on their 10-yard line? It's something, it was like probably a 25-yard 20, field, field goal. Set up on the right hash. Their kicker, KC Lapata. I don't know if he's a freshman <laughs> or what. Well, I've never heard of him before. He missed it wide left. Kicking from wide. Kicking from the right hash. He went all the way across and missed it wide left. And, and he he was so far left that he actually hit the supporting pole for the net behind. Right. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. And that was in Michigan, in Ann Arbor, on their home field. They lost to Toledo, a MAC school. The first first time, first time they've ever lost to a MAC you know, school. There was a story on Yahoo Sports a couple of days ago saying that... Um, the miserable year that Notre Dame had last year, that's Michigan this year. Michigan is the Notre Dame of last year. Except they're worse. I, well, I don't know if they're, they're not that worse. Is, that is arguable. They're not worse. I think they might be a little better because Notre Dame was completely, exactly. completely score. hopeless. Michigan had the greatest comeback in oh. Big House history. That's what I don't understand. That, that shows. That to losing to Toledo. I, I was amazed. I mean, Wisconsin hadn't won in Ann Arbor 
in 16 years, I think, if everybody figured, they'd come in. Wisconsin, now, they got blown out. Who'd they just Penn lose? State. Penn State. Penn State. Oh, awful. my gosh. They, they just got ripped apart. They've lost three in a row. Now they're three and three. I mean, Wisconsin, we talked about it, how they're usually quietly good. They were in mm-hmm. the top ten. Everything's kind of rolling their way. We said... Back, Clark, last time you were on the uh, show. Last time I, was on, I said, just uh, keep rolling. Jen, I think, called in. Jen, Jennifer from Grand Ledge, yes. Yes. She called in and asked if we thought that uh, Penn State, Michigan State, at the end of the year would decide the Big Ten Championship. I said, no, I think it'll be when we play Wisconsin. Wisconsin, I said the same thing. Well, how wrong we were. I mean, that same week, after, the, after Michigan came back against Wisconsin, I said on this show, I think, that it's that kind of loss by Wisconsin that Michigan State has suffered the last couple of years, and they have finished one and six, one and seven. It's that kind of crushing game that sends a team into a downward spiral, and that's what Wisconsin is experiencing. They're the Michigan State of this year. That's true, and it, it I, they could turn it around, but they just did not look impressive in their last couple of games. They haven't been able to score, haven't really done anything. I mean. 48 to 7 Penn State went into Camp Randall and just ripped them apart. And Penn State, they they look really good. They're number 3 in the nation now. And I mean, their their quarterback, another senior who wasn't a quarterback before, steps in and he's more of an athlete. Uh, Daryl Clark was responsible for three touchdowns. I think he passed for like 270 yards. He threw for one touchdown, ran for another. Just really athletic and that team there. Joe Paterno doesn't really have to do much coaching. He just lets no. him go out and do well, his thing. He's up in the press box again. Yeah. yeah. He, Joe is just the figurehead of that school. He's just there to technically get the wins so he can stay ahead of Bobby Bowden. But he, he's able to get some of the best players. He is. I mean, there's a lot of things that help recruiting Happy Valley. Look at that. It's, it's linebacker U. It's, it's uh, yeah. one of the three biggest stadiums in all of college football. It is. It definitely is. And that's... They are. It's so impressive to see a whiteout. Like we have whiteouts here, and it's impressive. They, Penn State they do it like it's a religion. Everybody yes. is wearing a white shirt. Every like, you game, can, except all, all except the for the goes. S. Yeah. yeah. And that it's just scary. There was another great game. I Pavel wasn't able to watch the games on Saturday. Sadly, I was at a wedding. That it's a good reason. Fair enough. Mm. But I was texting him during the first game. It was. Texas versus Oklahoma. Number five, Texas, against number one, which I made the mistake last week. I thought it was at Oklahoma. It was in Dallas. Neutral site for the Red River rivalry. Mm -hmm. Used to be showdown. Yeah, no. I got it once. I got it once, and that's good enough. But, I mean, that game was unbelievable. Back and forth. Back and forth. I hadn't seen... I hadn't seen Sam Bradford play since he's been in college. I didn't see Oklahoma play last year. I didn't really watch the Big 12 much last year. I knew Colt McCoy had a bad year last year. He'd come he'd come back. He was doing really well. But, I mean, he was just... Those teams... It wasn't... The Big 12, I remember, is just like the old Big 10. Mm-hmm. You slow it down, you run the ball. Oklahoma, they line up in the spread... Hurry up off and both teams are in a hurry up offense. Fifteen seconds gone on the play clock and they're going again. Eighty yeah. total points in that game. Yeah, Did you see the, the kind most of points scored that were thrown by Cole oh. McCoy in the oh, back of the end crazy. zone? <laughs> the kind of bullets. It was ridiculous. And Sam Bradford, they were pulling out all the plays, all the secret plays in those playbooks, both of their playbooks. I mean, they were running reverses, they were running end arounds, everything. They pulled it out for those that yeah. game. Well Texas, they like you said, it was a, it was back and forth. Texas scored two touchdowns in the last seven minutes to take the lead and then hold on. 
and they had a big run by their running back, Obanaya. He had 127 yards. very misleading. He had two really long runs. Mm-hmm. Other than that, the running game was just nowhere to be found for either team. But, I mean, Colt McCoy was 28 of 35 for 277. Just not necessarily fantastic numbers. You would think he only had one touchdown. But if you think about it, those numbers are just so solid. He had seven incompletions. That's that's just incompletions. phenomenal. Incompletions. Incompletions, yeah. yeah. And then also, Sam Bradford, after watching him for, I think he had three touchdown passes in the first half. I know why Keith Nickel transferred back here. Yeah, There's no to... way he was going to see any playing time there. I don't care how good he is. He's the same year. Sam Bradford exactly. the same year as Keith Exactly. Nickel. They'd both be sophomores there. And I saw that, and I went, well, that's the reason that he's no longer playing there. And, of course, we're, we're Texas. Happy. We're happy. Exactly. I'm, hey, he'll play fine yeah. just here in a couple of years. But Texas now jumped into number one because you have Oklahoma number one lost. Missouri lost to Oklahoma State, who I do believe, Pavel, you didn't give Oklahoma State any credit last week. No, I you didn't. you were dogging him. Chase Daniel had a, not a good game for his for his he standards. For, he completed thirty nine passes, almost three for four hundred yards, but the three interceptions really hurt. Oh yeah, and this is I think Missouri was two for nine on third downs. This is a team where the entire season they hadn't even had a three and out. That's how impressive this offense was. Oklahoma State, they're another undefeated Big Twelve team. And they they looked really good. They've got I mean some tough tests coming up. They there's so many tough games going on in there in the Big Twelve. And of course next week college game day again for some reason is back at Texas. They wouldn't be here for when the number twenty Michigan State Spartans take on the number twelve Ohio State Buckeyes. Nope, they're back with Texas, who's number one playing against Missouri, who dropped to what number. Number eleven, I think. If the, uh, yeah, they it was eleven. Yeah, and then about. the other team that lost was in the top five. LSU. They LSU just got, got destroyed by Florida. By Florida. Yeah, Florida. And uh, Florida just looked so much faster, and it was just unbelievable. It was just so many great games. I talked to my dad on the phone later that night as the LSU Florida game was going on, and I I told him I was like, I I just sat in front of the TV and watched every time. We are going to take a quick break here, get done with college football. We're coming back. We have a special guest calling in, Mario Mpemba, the play-by-play announcer for the Detroit Tigers, will be joining us. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. At the football game, Jim shows the telltale signs of being wasted. He starts flexing for the camera. He refers to his muscles as gunboats. He screams, how's this for a halftime show? Jim streaks the field. It's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive. But what if you've had just one too many to drive? Never underestimate just a few. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Sunday nights, check out Sit or Spin from 8 to 10 p.m., where you can voice your opinion on what new music we play here on the Impact. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, the Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now... Back to exposure. All right, we are back, everybody. This is Spartan Sports Wrap here on the Impact. I'm Scott, sitting here with Pavel and Clark, and we have a special guest here. Mario and Pemba is joining us. Mario, how are you doing? 
I'm doing great tonight, Scott. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. How Are you watching playoff baseball? Well, how can I not watch baseball? <laughs> I suppose that uh, once our season ends, you, you want to try and take a break from it. I tell myself every year that I'm, I'm not going to watch, but of course you have to watch. And uh, the uh, the Rays are putting it to them tonight, so it's just kind of surprising. They are. It is 5-zip. Tampa's up in the bottom of the fourth on Boston, which I would have never believed John Lester is just getting got knocked around. He gave up a home run, a three-run home run to B.J. Upton and a solo shot to Evan Longoria. Wow, B.J.'s having a heck of a playoff. Those year. young guys are just going nuts. Who, well, John, John Lester's been one of the best pitchers in all of baseball uh, in the playoffs and, and certainly in the second half of the season this year as well for the Red Sox. So it is kind of surprising. Uh, you know, this, this, this Rays team, though, is is one that is very resilient. They're still very young, so I don't think they have any idea of the pressure that they're supposed to be under right now. They're just playing some great baseball, and who knows, they might end up in the World Series. Now, if you were to make a prediction, would would you uh, say that the Rays are going to pull it out? Well, my initial prediction was uh, the Angels and the Cubs in the World Series, so it's all run the other way, actually. I'm not really good at predicting, but... Yeah, I, I like the Rays, and, and I like them going into the playoffs just because of the type of, of baseball they play. They pitch really, really well. They play outstanding defense, and they have just enough veteran presence in their lineup to carry their young guys uh, through the tough times. So uh, they've got a great manager, and Joe Madden is really coming into his own now. He, you know, he spent so many years as the bench coach with Mike Socius, so he was part of a winning organization there with the Angels, and uh, they're putting it all together right now. And, and I think as we learned with the Tigers in 06, it not necessarily is the best team that wins in the playoffs. It's the hottest team, and right now the Rays are pretty hot. That is true. Mario, do you think uh, Coach, uh, the manager Joe Madden is a home run for uh, manager of the year? Yeah, I, I think that's slam dunk. I don't think anybody comes close. I mean, you know, to, to take a team that many thought would, would probably finish fourth or fifth in that division and bring them to the brink of the World Series and, and possibly beyond is, is uh, you know, it's pretty amazing. Um, to win that division, you know, when you're talking about a team that has to battle the likes of the Red Sox and the Yankees and the Blue Jays and, and their big payrolls, it's really difficult to do what he did. So I don't think there's any question he's manager of the year. What about in the NL? You think Joe Torre might take it? You know, that's a real good question, and I think right now, if you have to look at it, Torrey would certainly be one of the frontrunners. Uh, you know, they've done a terrific job, or he's done a terrific job with the Dodgers team that when we saw them at Comerica Park in interleague play was not really impressive. Uh, in fact, I, I didn't think they'd make the playoffs at that point, but they put it together. They got Manny Ramirez, and, and he got hot, so uh, I'd have to go with Joe Torrey right now as my frontrunner. So who do you like the Philadelphia Phillies, the LA Dodgers? They play later tonight, Eight twenty-two is the first pitch. That series, they moved out to L.A. Uh, it's Philly's up 2-1, but L.A. rocked them last night. Who do you like in that? You've got Joe Blanton going against Derek Lowe. Yeah, Derek Lowe is going on three days rest, but you know I don't think that means as much when you have a sinker ball pitcher because, as most pitching coaches will tell you, um, sinker ballers are better when they're, when they're tired and, and not maybe as strong. And, and I expect Derek Lowe to pitch a pretty good game and even up the series. I think in the long run, though, uh, I think I'm going to go with the Phillies. I think they're, they're probably a little bit of a deeper team. Uh, yeah, I think they have enough pitching to do it, and, and they've got some guys in the lineup that if they can get hot, you know, guys like Dudley and, and uh, Ryan Howard and, 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 and Burrow, I mean, they, they can do some major damage. So I, I think the Dodgers uh, even up the series, but I think in the end the home field advantage holds out for the Phillies. Yeah, I just think if the Phillies have a lead going late into the game, when, once Brad Lidge gets the ball, he's been perfect this year. I think adding the playoffs in, he's got to be, I think, 45-45 save opportunities. That's 
Yeah, he's been lights out. Um, you know, and I think that's probably where you get your edge. I mean, there are two teams that are they're pretty good offensively. I think that the Phillies are probably a little bit better, although they've been kind of streaky in the playoffs. But, yes. Um, you know, I like Cole Hamels. I like Blanton. And, and I think Moyer was kind of an aberration the way he pitched last night. But, uh, you know, when you get at the Lidge at the end, it's certainly a big advantage for them. All right. Now, obviously, the Tigers are done for the season. So what what are you doing now? You obviously call every game for them, or pretty much every game for them. Now it's your off season. What are you moving on to here? Well, it's I, I guess the first couple of weeks after our season ended, uh, you know, I, I took some time, and this is I think we're in our third week now since the, the finish of our year. I just kind of take some time to relax a little bit and uh, get back into the family type thing. You know, getting reacquainted with my kids again, and bringing them to school, and then going to practices and their soccer games and football games uh, and, and baseball games. So. Um, that's what I've spent a lot of my time doing. But as November rolls around, um, this will be the second year now that, I, that I'll be broadcasting Oakland University basketball. Uh, and uh, we do that on radio. We have three games on FSN Detroit that we telecast, and the rest will be on radio. So I just kind of keep busy with some basketball in the off season, And then uh, before you know it, February and March roll around, and it's, it's time to go back to Lakeland. Exactly. Mario, you graduated from uh, MSU in 1985. How much are you still uh, watching the Spartan Athletics, and uh, really, what do you take of the football team? Well, the football team's been really impressive, and i I got to be honest with you, I'm not sure I, I expected them to play this well, and I thought, you know, their, their big test was going to be to go in Northwestern and, and beat that team, and they did it handily, and uh, the thing that impresses me is they're getting some guys that, you know, weren't expected to start, and... Uh, and play as much as they have, and they've come through, and and that's really important. You know, guys like Jeremy Ware, who uh, who made his first career start, had a nice game. Ryan Allison played well. Eric Gordon played well this past weekend. So uh, Mark D'Antonio's a he's a great coach. Uh, he's a real sharp guy. In fact, he threw up the first pitch at Comerica Park uh, last month, and I got a chance to, to chat with him real briefly. But uh, I'm real impressed with him. I'm impressed with the program that he runs and. Of course, we all know what Coach Izzo does there for the basketball. Oh, exactly. So, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's Spartan sports right now is, is, is really clicking. All right. Now, getting back to the Tigers, I know there's a question a few people wanted to know. Todd Jones retired, so our closer is gone. I think they will go after Francisco Rodriguez. He's a free agent, set the saves record. You work more closely with the team, obviously, with management, with the players all the time. What offseason move do you sense happening? Well, I don't know if they'll make as big a splash as, as uh, you think they might. Uh, I don't know if they'll go after Francisco Rodriguez, although I didn't think they had any chance of getting Miguel Cabrera either, and uh, and Mike Gill signed off on that, so who knows. Uh, I think in the end, uh, Francisco Rodriguez is going to want too much money in too many years, and, and quite frankly, I'd be really leery about signing a guy that you know saved 62 games this year to a five-year contract. I think that that's a long, a long commitment to make for a guy that, you know, that pitches as much as he has this year. Um, you know, I don't see them making a big splash. I see them going out and maybe tweaking the lineup a little bit, maybe finding some speed, finding some guys to pitch out of the bullpen, and hope they catch lightning in a bottle there. But uh, I don't see them rolling out the big bucks. I think they have to kind of step, take a step back now. They tried that last year, and it didn't work. They have to take a step back, maybe find some more players that are more ancillary parts that, you know, do the little things to win games and, and see how that works out. I, I really don't see them increasing the payroll a whole lot. In fact, I see them probably decreasing a little bit. Okay. What do you think of the move of putting Inge back at third base and Carlos Guillen out in left field? Well, you know, that's a great question because it, it, Brandon Inge is a lightning rod here in Detroit. And oh, he's, he's a fan favorite. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, you either, you either love them or you hate them. And, and I know true. a lot of fans are really, <laughs> really not inch fans because he, you know, he just doesn't hit for average and, and, uh, he just didn't have a good year offensively. But in my mind, he is a game changer defensively at third base. And, and there's nobody like him in the league. And I think it's, it's critical that he plays that third base position because in the end, I think he's gonna, he's going to, uh, save more runs than, you know, than he is not giving you offensively. I think, He'll also be a better offensive player if he plays third base every day as opposed to, you know, getting pounded every night catching. So I think he's your third baseman next year, and, uh, you know, I think he can have a decent year. And, uh, you know, if he hits 250, that's great, you know, with his, his ability to drive in runs and hit the ball out of the park every now and then. Uh, plus the glove he brings to third, I think he'd, he'd, be, uh, he'd be outstanding there. I've said before, if he gets his average up, he'll win the gold glove. As strange as that is, he has to get his average up to win the defensive award. Yeah, and, and, and you see that all the time. And, you know, unfortunately, guys that, you know, that hit 220 don't win gold gloves because, uh, you know, that's just the way it is. And, and, and offense has always been tied to that award. It probably always will be. But, uh, believe me when I tell you, and we've seen, we've seen every third baseman of the league now and, and we've seen one over and over and over. Nobody plays third base like Brandon Engine. And, and, uh, you know, I just think that, you know, you're right. If, if he can hit his weight, you know, and, and hit, hit a little bit above his weight. <laughs> <laughs> gotta get gotta get over two hundred at least to make it right. make the fans happy. All right, one last question before we go. I've just got to ask. Now you've been you've been doing play by play for about eight years now for the Tigers, and you've been with Rod Allen for how many five now? Seven years. Seven, seven years. years. Wow, wow, I didn't even realize he's. Yeah. What's it like working day in day out with Rod Allen? Well, it's fun. I mean, uh, you know, and I've said this over and over to a lot of people. You know, I've never worked with anybody that knows the game as well as he does. And, and I think the, the thing that Rod brings to the telecast that, you know, other people that I've worked with haven't been able to do is the ability to, to forecast what's going to happen and predict what's going to happen and tell us, you know, what's about to happen before it actually does. Uh, and, and that's pretty impressive. Um, and he's able to articulate that. And, you know, he keeps it loose, he keeps it light, and, uh, you know, I, I think he has a nice, easy style, and um, he knows the game, and, and above above all else, I mean, you, you probably will walk away from any Tiger telecast learning something from him, and, and that's part of the process that we're trying to get going here to teach teach the fans the game, and, and, and Rod does a great, uh, great job of that. That's great. And I just hear your voice, and I think of Tiger's baseball, they just go hand in hand here. It sounds so familiar. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us here, and... I wish you the best of luck for Oakland, as long as we don't meet up with Michigan State down down the road. I wish you the best of luck with football, and we'll get back to hearing you back in spring, for sure, right, with the Tigers. Yeah, I appreciate it. Go green, and uh, best of luck to the Spartans up there. Uh, thanks, Mario. Thanks, Go Mario. Mario and Pemba. I mean, that man, just, I'm not lying. I hear his voice, and I think it's the Tigers baseball game. You know, he sounded so so in tune with what the football team is doing and he knows Jeremy Ware he knows everybody on the team he could probably broadcast the MSU football games no problem I talked to him a little bit I called him earlier in the day and I talked to him and he said he actually said he enjoys basketball Michigan State he follows Michigan State basketball a lot more than he does football just because he likes basketball more he calls basketball so if he knows Oakland. football that well and he doesn't even really like it that much he must know inside out oh. uh, well, that's the other thing. I'm sure a lot of people don't realize one of the other reasons 
Mario and Pemba used to have this job that I have right now. It was a little bit different because he went. He's an alum of Michigan State. He graduated in 1985, and he was the sports director for the MSU Student Radio, which then was an AM station working out of the odd. I talked to him. He did a lot more play-by-play, and they just kind of did updates. It's a slightly different format from here. Are you, are you trying to forecast something, Scott? Or uh... Hopefully. Okay. All right. Just <laughs> well, we'll be gone. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that's where he got his start. He said that he got his start. He's calling hockey games, calling baseball games, doing that here, calling basketball games. And that's where he started. And then he went on and eventually uh, later in the year after he graduated, went and started minor league baseball. And just like the pros, he had to work his way up. But few people realize that, that Mario Pemba is an alum of Michigan State. He is a Spartan. He is. So that he knows his stuff. And he's and just great to listen when to. When he was talking about uh, playoff baseball right there, I, I personally think Rod Allen might be a little scared right now. Because uh, he sounded pretty, pretty darn good of what he knew. I mean, obviously he's surrounded by baseball, but he could, he could definitely be an analyst. I'd say. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, and I'm pretty sure. Did he did he use the word silky to describe yeah. Rod Allen? Uh, <laughs> I was I was hoping he would get there. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, he he. he uh, I'm not sure he didn't say silky, but <laughs> we all know what we think about Rod Allen, so. That was that was one of the jokes we had. Rod Allen's famous for using his phrases of silky smooth defense or country strong Marcus Timms. And there's a few few things that go along with that. But he, he always prefers to have a handle on everything, I've always noticed. Yes. Yes. But I mean playoff baseball, actually this computer I'm using it was updating very quickly as I was going through it and pause. It's actually the top of the eighth inning now between Tampa Bay and Boston. Tampa's up five one still. Good for them. They it looks like they're gonna take a after getting demolished three games to one lead. No, after that dramatic win and what, uh extra innings? Did they have a they won an extra innings, uh did they? Boston did over LA. Boston did over LA. the Angels, but, yeah. The double rays of uh, the Rays didn't they have a dramatic win against the Red Sox to even the series? That's what I'm talking about. Oh, I'm not sure. Mm. I think they did. I'm not. I'm not sure exactly how they. Oh, the series is tied one one right now. Yeah. They won the first yeah. game. They're going to take a two one lead. That's Crap. what they they started a day late. Didn't have yourself. The, yeah. Sorry. The Phillies are up two one. My mistake. Which like like has been it's been said before. I'm a Phillies fan. I have faith in the Phillies. It's gonna be tough. They it's. Home team's going to win. I, it's probably going to go seven because back at the end of the season, they each swept each other. The home team swept the yeah. other team. So that's going to be good. I mean, playoff baseball, it's it's one of the best things to watch. You never know what's going to happen. But if, exactly. if there was a, a, a road team to win it, it'd be, it could be the Dodgers. No, it'll be the Phillies. Dodgers. We, we've argued about it before. I'm Paul, going with the Tigers. Agree to disagree. <laughs> going going with, with the Tigers. Tigers. Well, sadly, Clark, you lose big time on that. Sorry, always sorry have faith. Say. Always have faith, my friend. Next year. How about, about those Lions? Lions? Speaking of How about faith. the Lions? Do you believe in now? That's... <laughs> I I don't. <laughs> that's that's their season ticket promotion. If now, I still if, saw it. If now is five years from now. Yeah. Ten, Detroit Lions, do you believe in now? No. No. The St. Louis no. Rams can even win a game, and we can't. Yes, we can. <laughs> the yes, NFL can. on Sunday. It was, it was a record day, actually, for... National Football, the National Football League. There were five games decided in the last ten seconds. Now, let's see, what were they? Obviously, Minnesota beat the Lions. They kicked a field goal with, I think, eight seconds left. I could have called that from the Well, everybody knew. The play of the game, 
Oh my gosh, I, I still have trouble talking about it here. <laughs> I I watched the game. There was no other football game on, so my roommate and I had to watch it. We were flipping back and forth, and the Lions are backed up on the one yard line. So they throw two passes, incomplete. Dan Orlovsky got the start, his first NFL start, because of John Kitten's injured. With, he didn't he's do got that a back. He didn't turn over he didn't, as much. He didn't play as I that would. poorly. No, but then third down, he's in the shotgun, so he's already. Three yards deep in the end zone. He gets the snap. He decides to drop back. He takes about a five-step drop. So he's he's kind of back. Takes a couple more steps back and starts to roll out to his right. As he's still going back, I... I don't even know if he has even seen the video right. now. I don't. I still think he doesn't know that he was two yards out of the back of the end zone it, for a safety. Did he, st- he stepped out? Oh, oh he, yeah. He, he, yeah. I didn't see it. Was it. Like oh, you didn't was, see was it? That, was that the first oh. uh, score of the game, the 2-0? Yeah. Yes. That yeah. The he, he was in the shotgun. Out? He dropped back. Hit. He was chased. The linebacker was chasing him. He went to roll out right, and he was a yard out of the back of the end zone. <laughs> Looking downfield, he had no clue. The linebacker just started pointing and laughing, and the ref just kind of blew the whistle and kind of <laughs> begrudgingly was just like, um, safety? It, it reminded me of like when I played video games back when you're like you're six years old, you know, and you just keep going back and going back and going back, and then you're probably about 40 yards back, and then you just chuck it down the field, and then you might get back to the line of scrimmage. He just kept going back. I don't back. think he knew that in you're back. not allowed to run out of the back since, of the end zone. Since when are end zones ten yards? Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, he on. had come he on. had no clue, and of course the Lions ended up losing twelve ten by two by points. Two. Funny, yeah. <laughs> strange how that works. Strange. God. Then another game that this, I was surprised to this see. This was my favorite. This was the, my favorite of the last second endings besides my Rams. I was gonna say. I was the, like, the well, the you're gonna say game tops it all. Atlanta beat the Bears twenty-two to ten. Now the Bears twenty-two twenty. Twenty-two twenty. Excuse me. They kicked a last second field. Jason Elam hit a forty-eight yard field goal somewhere around 49. there. Forty-nine to win the game. There's one second on the clock when he kicked it. What but happened before that? With I think. 11 seconds. 12 seconds, Kyle Orton. He threw a touchdown touchdown. pass. It was like a 40-yard touchdown pass. To take the lead. And then they decided to squib kick it, which they were only up one point, and they squib kicked. Jirius Norwood had a big return earlier in the game, so they didn't want to give him the ball. But the thing is, when you squib kick it, they're already going to get the ball in the 35 if they just fall on it. about 20 yards. Exactly. They completed one pass, one which pass. he was wide open. They had no timeouts. All that they could do was throw a deep out to get to the sideline. Matt Ryan hit his receiver perfectly, took three seconds off the clock, put him in that position was their with one Mary. second. They didn't expect any time to be left. Yeah. And he, the receiver, somehow really fast it, got out of bounds, and magically there's a one one second left. Yeah. Some people were saying the clock didn't start on time. I don't believe Michigan that. Fans? Yeah, that exactly. I, I It seemed fine to me. I was just amazed that the Bears, the guy was wide open. I mean, you, you know that they had to go to the sideline, but he was still wide open. Atlanta hits the field goal. I mean, the change there, they were down with 10 seconds left. They came back and won that game. That's impressive. Rookie quarterback Matt Ryan Picks apart the Bears' secondary pretty well. The Bears have a pretty good defense. Yeah, they do. And he, he picked them apart. He was able to find the open man, and he he crushed them. He's been very impressive. I mean, I gave him I gave him no respect coming out. It's I didn't no, like him out of Boston I'm not surprised that he's a good no. NFL quarterback. I'm not surprised at all. After seeing him live in that bowl game, I mean, he didn't impress me against last year's Michigan State secondary. 
we weren't very good last year in the secondary, and he yeah. still did. He struggled, but he has turned it on. I mean, he has brought that team. What's I don't know what their record is. They were like two and fourteen last year, three and thirteen. I mean, all that's the Michael Vick still. Yeah. yeah, all that's happened there. All that fans could know, think they, about they were, was Michael they were Vick. Four and twelve because yeah. they just matched. They're four and two. Yeah, they they're just four and two their now. Win total from all last yeah. year. They're in line. I mean, they're in the NFC South. You got New Orleans. Tampa Bay, Atlanta, and Carolina, I think. All teams, those those are all pretty good. They're all floating around right at 4-2. and two. I think they're all 4-2 and two except for New Orleans. New Orleans, New Orleans which, is 3-3? Uh, and 3-3? Three and, three? Three and three. Yeah, I'm not sure. 3-3, three and three, they're 3-3. Three and three. Yeah, they're 3-3. Yeah. But Drew Brees, I mean, they're getting Marcus Colston's back. Jeremy Shockey's going to come back. They they could turn it around. That's surprisingly turned into one of the better conferences, which the power has changed. Two weeks ago, the NFC East was the most dominant conference in the league. You have the Giants, who are undefeated. You have the Redskins, who had knocked off a tough, couple tough teams. You had the Cowboys, and you had the Eagles, all really strong teams. Well, then, the Redskins, they come out after last week. They come back and lose to your St. Louis Rams. Oh, yeah, I... That's you know, a shame. I just have a good feeling about Jim Hazlitt taking over this team. He's a great defensive coach, and back when he coached the Saints, the Rams and the Saints had some pretty, pretty competitive, pretty all-out war games. And uh, Jim Hazlitt's uh, maybe the right guy for this team. And I would be amazed if he got him to maybe five or six wins. I'd be really happy with that. Oh yeah, salvage the season a little bit. That would, I mean, that'd be better. Uh, That's all I can hope for from the Lions. I'm rooting for an 0 16 year. I mean. And we're this far ready. If you're bad, why not just keep going? Why not make it into the record books? Exactly. I mean, good or bad. New England went sixteen and zero in the regular season. Why can't we go zero and sixteen? Well, the Dolphins were able to pull out a win a couple yeah. years well, ago. I know. We're, we're gonna we're gonna have like the one first like with three games left. We're gonna have like the first or second draft pick, and then all of a sudden we'll just go on this tear. And then we'll end up with like the twelfth. We'll play the teams that are resting their starters. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Exactly. And, and also just destroy, lose. and then everyone gets pumped up for next year, and then, well, then same thing. See, the saddest thing was there were two teams included in these five games that got their first one of the season. Houston, the Houston, other one. Yeah. They beat the Dolphins, the 29-28. Matt Schaub, Matt Schaub, Matt Schaub on a quarterback sneak. draw. Was it sneak or draw? Uh, no, it was a draw, yeah, it was yeah. a draw. I mean, he dropped back. Nobody expected it with, I think, four seconds left on the clock, and he just... Right up the middle, and scored, put them up. And Two teams are still winless. Cincinnati the Bengals. Bengals, who the, the Bengals are a much better team than the Lions uh, being winless. Yes, though. they just they show together. Yeah, they can't. But I would still take them any day. I'd pick them to win uh, any day before the Lions. They've got everything in place. They just need to kind of sync everything. Everything, everything's just out of sync. Oh yeah. Well, that, is this Cinco, Ultra Cinco, or <laughs> not not quite that far. Okay, okay, he's right. he's yeah, one of the people. Okay. His name, and then there uh, there were also, problems before that. They're not even that. the Bengals anymore. They're like the uh, Cincinnati the, the Kitty Cats. Yeah. yeah, and then the other game, which I was watching, it was it was a great game. I couldn't believe how it turned out. Arizona oh, ended up beating gosh. Dallas. Game went into <laughs> overtime. The Arizona ended up beating Dallas thirty to twenty four, and. Now it was crazy. There's a play. I saw it at the end of the game. At the at the very end of regulation, Nick Folk, the kicker for the Cowboys, is set up to kick. And there's a play that I hate. 
and I think Mike Shanahan started it. You call a timeout right before the ball is snapped. There's freezing the kicker, then there's doing that. And what happened? Well, lo and behold, he calls a timeout, but they still go and kick the ball because you can't stop the play that fast. And they block it. The Cardinals blocked the kick. I mean, it was a bad snap, no blocking. Just They came right through and blocked it. Well, game's not over because Ken Wisenhut, the Wizenhunt, yeah. yeah, he called a timeout and he said, he he owned up. He's like, yeah, I called a timeout. Yeah, you could you could read his face. He's like that was me. I called a timeout. Well, Nick Folk gets a second chance and nails the fifty yarder, fifty two yarder, I think, to put the game into overtime. So you give Tony Romo the ball again. They Dallas wins the coin toss. They get the ball, and then he's kind of struggling. First play of overtime. Tony Romo gets nailed. He was hit 19 times in that game. I mean, the Dallas offensive line was supposed to be this amazing thing. Just nobody could do anything. I couldn't tell you anybody on the Cardinals' offensive front or defensive front. Travis boy. See, yeah, I One. couldn't. I couldn't tell. Bertrand Barry. Okay, now he's just disproving you. He's he's looking at a yeah. roster. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just that good. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, he was Tony Romo was hit 19 times. He ended up breaking his pinky on his right hand on the last play, think, um, what, or on, what, on the first it? play of overtime is what they say. Which I, I he was know. still there able was... to throw the ball. I wouldn't be surprised. I told Brandon earlier that he was still throwing the ball after that. I wouldn't be surprised if they just don't release it. He probably broke his hand punching a locker, punching something in the locker room after that game. Very true. You know, when I found out about the Tony Romo injury, I I wasn't surprised at all because. It really explained a lot from watching the game because he underthrew, overthrew. He was not accurate the last in the fourth and overtime. He was just well, not he, accurate. He was just getting nailed. But they said it happened on the very on the very first play of overtime, which then they went three and out. He was he one hopped one to to on third down, I think. So they punt it, and the Cardinals were set up just setting up a return. Well, Dallas figured they didn't need to block them. They were just trying to get downfield to cover it. And so the two ends for the Cardinals just went straight through. And I can't remember the name of whoever blocked the kick, blocked the punt. I mean, he took the ball right off of the punter's foot. He could have taken it when he dropped it out of his hand. He was that close. It's not even necessarily blocked kick as much as just knocking Grab the ball kick. away. They were worried about Arizona getting good field position exactly. starting at the With 50. Steve Breston back there, they were worried. He's a good return man. But th- nobody blocked him. They even got a penalty for a legal man downfield because somebody took off. The guy who was supposed to block took off too early. Well, good job. They blocked the kick, recovered it. Took it the one yard for the touchdown. Game over. First time an NFL game's ever ended in overtime by returning a blocked punt for a touchdown. I couldn't believe it. I mean, it was ridiculous. And now, come to find out, they they broke the news today. Which I'm surprised Brandon's not in here bragging about this. We played each other in fantasy football this week. He beat me by three points. Yeah, he's celebrating now. But I have Tony Romo. I find out that he broke his pinky. He's out four weeks. Now, of course, I had Tony Romo and Drew Brees. So naturally, on Saturday, I trade away Drew Brees for Larry Fitzgerald. And so now I don't. I have no backup. I just lost my quarterback for the season. Now I lost to Brandon, which makes me feel even worse. It's like the greatest fantasy football trade I've ever made in my life. It's true. We Brad made a Jennings trade. And Clinton Portis for Tony Romo and Ronnie Brown. Which enabled me to go get Larry Fitzgerald also. I explained that to you. 
It's about even. Granted, you won this week, and I haven't heard enough about it. Let me no, tell you. No, I've mentioned it like once. Oh, yeah. You came walking in the door celebrating. Well, yeah. It's it, okay. It is true. You get an assist on that for trading me all those good players for so-so players. You're welcome. Hey, Ronnie Brown is doing okay, yeah, just Brown all right. Doing good. And Tony Romo was good before Which I he got picked hurt. him up off the waiver wire in the beginning of the season. It is true. We made a lot of fun. I dropped Ronnie Brown yeah. like in week two. Yeah, I yep. love what the, my buddy dropped him. <laughs> He's not too happy about it. Well, I've got him now, and he's scoring touchdowns. That's all that matters. Sure. Yeah, sure. I'm I'm just going to lose the whole... I'm just going to trade everybody away. It's fine. They're Matt Ryan. Yeah, exactly. But then, game I was really impressed with, Indianapolis beat Baltimore. Granted, Baltimore's not very good, I don't think. Their defense is. Their defense is. They beat them 31-3. Peyton Manning is back, people. It's not Joey Flacco, that's for sure. Yeah, but Peyton Manning, he hadn't done much yet this season. He's back. He It turns out he actually had two surgeries on his knee. That's the reason why he wasn't quite back yet. That's He missed all of the preseason because of what everyone thought was one knee surgery. It turns they, out he needed about four more weeks to be ready. And they rushed him back, too. They rushed yeah. him back to start week one. Yes. And, I mean, 31 points on a very good Indianapolis defense. Or in Baltimore defense, excuse me. It was the Colts defense that looked like the Baltimore defense because look at LeBron McLean, five carries, negative two yards. Yeah. <laughs> it's that's just whoever had him on fantasy. Yeah, uh, that fantasy owner is crying right now. <laughs> and the guy I was playing had the Baltimore defense, and they got a negative two for the week. Wow. That's always fun. And then, like I was saying about New Orleans, they moved to three and three. They put up thirty-four points, beat Oakland thirty-four to three. That's not too impressive. I think Jamarcus Russell was like twelve for thirty, somewhere around there. Is that receivers? What do you want from them? They they fired their head coach. Lane Kiffin, he got fired. Who's That's, still like trying to be involved? He's like sending Jamarcus texts and stuff. Al Davis, that organization. That's just some I'm, mess. I'm glad that actually makes me. They're they're worse off than the Lions That's, are. You know, did we ever talk about the? We didn't Kiffin because fire? it happened on Tuesday. It did, and I was just shocked. It was painful to watch Al Davis rip just apart Lane Kiffin. I mean. Let him go and let him just go on his way in peace. He basically beat a dead horse by just insulting Lane Kiffin, just, just taking ugly. his pride and just beating it. And just he just let let, let ah, sorry Lane, Kiffin really like really had no pride left. He, they no. interviewed him afterwards and he was just like, "Wow." He was railroaded. Just he had no clue that it was coming, and. I mean, Al Davis, he rarely makes any press appearances, and he sat down and I just see why. ripped him to shreds. He looks like a corpse. Oh, he does. <laughs> he's he looks like a Night of the Living Dead. But he's not dressed like that, though. So. No. Yeah. I, it's, it's surprising. I mean, I could not... Yes, there's a difference between fire, and the other thing is they're not honoring the rest of his contract. He was signed for, I think, two more years. Yeah. They fired him and said, no, we're not going to pay the rest of it. That's why they waited to fire Al Davis, hired a legal team... Because of insubordination, I think, is the main reason no they're saying that they're not going to pay him. I mean, L. Davis, that's just a horribly run organization. They brought in their offensive line coach, um, Tom oh. Cable, I think. Yeah, Tom yeah. Cable. And, I mean, I hope for his sake that he's not the coach next year. Because nobody is going to do anything. I mean, Warren Sapp went on, and he is talking about how that L. Davis, he'll come on, he'll come down to practice and change everything. Oh, yeah. They ran Jerry a defense. Jones, George yeah. Steinbrenner. They worked. They worked on a defense the whole like whole week, and Al Davis comes in on 
Friday and says, no, we're going to change this up. Maybe that's the reason they're not winning. You know, oh, at that it's same got press to be. Conference, he, said, he said, well, you know, we're going to win. We're going to get back to playing Oakland Raider football. You know, he's got to stay out of the locker room. He's got to yeah. let the coach be a coach. You want Al Davis should be the coach of that team. He he is in sick. all, I mean in all aspects of it he is. Yeah, of course. He'd be like Joe Pod from the, from yeah, the press exactly. box. Just exactly. well, when you need a lamp and like giant magnifying glasses to read your script to bash, you know, coach your firing. It's it's, it's saying something. Then another game. I was happy to see this score. San Diego beat New England thirty to ten. That was the Sunday night football game. And New England, I respected what they did, but I still didn't like them. They were just really good. And Tom Brady, he you can tell how important he was to that team. Matt Castle just cannot get it done. Phillip Rivers had another big game, threw for over 300 yards. LT, You, you put an okay bad. quarterback in that situation, though, and, and they'll thrive. Castle's just that bad. I don't know. You put, Kit, you put Kitna in the New England system. That's saying a lot. That's saying a lot right there. Fine. Wow. No, last night was just that's a, give, that's give, a give, statement. Give kind. John Kitna that uh, that offensive line. Easy. That is true. Part of the reason the Lions have been so bad is because of the offensive line. Jesus, the, they got they got to Orlovsky so many times. It's a shock he didn't turn the ball over. No, well, he just runs up the end zone. He just he just, he just runs away. <laughs> yeah, that's all it was. No, we Actually, our was defensive all... line did really well too. There was probably yeah. what twelve sacks combined in that game. Uh huh. Had to be somewhere around there. It was well, crazy. We can't, we can't the, the pass the pass rush from Minnesota was what was expected. Jared Allen going up against a, an extremely that. beat up. Lions offensive line. We've got Gaston Churlis starting, do we not? Yeah. So yes, we do. Churlis. He yeah, started at awesome. right tackle. first round pick. Yeah, there it yeah. is. With Jeff Ota on the board, that's who we... Okay, fine. Yeah. we got Foster, whoever that is. Like, I don't know. Is Jeff Backus around still? He is. <laughs> he's, he's always been there. He's we get him up with the franchise He'll never leave the state back. of Michigan. No. No. He won't. He won't. Well, then... Tonight we have one more game left, Monday Night Football. I made the claim last week, stupidly said how I hadn't missed a game. I picked New Orleans, come out and lose on another last-second field. Minnesota knocked them off last week. There's, I think there was a penalty that gave them another kick. I don't know how it happened, but New Orleans lost last week. Tonight we have the New York Giants playing against the Cleveland Browns. Oh, New York's 4 I wonder. Hmm. I'll say... Take the Giants and giving up the points. It doesn't. They're I'm gonna they're say, giving eight points. If they don't win by twenty, I'll be amazed. Let's say Plaxico Burris scores a touchdown because I really need him to in fantasy. <laughs> Plaxico, of well, course, is coming back from his one game suspension. His... And I mean, Eli Eli Manning, he's coming into he his gets own. The job he's, done. He, he does. He's Man. maturing. Oh, it, it oh my god! It helps it, when your receiving core is like seven deep. Yeah, a true. Yeah. I mean, you can name them right now. Dominic Hickson, Senior East Moss, uh, Steve Smith, Amani Toomer, Plaxico Burris. Uh, David Tyree. David Tyree. He'll, he'll be coming back next week, I do believe. Kevin Boss. Wow. Right. right? Sounds like the Lions' first-round draft picks of the past 20 years. The ones they passed up. <laughs> yeah, the ones that yeah. we could have taken. The good ones. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, Cleveland, they, they were everybody's pick to go to the playoffs, win their division, one in three. Derek Anderson, okay, here's his better pred- prediction. When are we going to see uh, Brady Quinn come into this game? Take <laughs> over for Derek last Anderson. Week. He should have. They said he was going to practice with the first team, and then he never got in. He was. He, he took about 
45% of the snaps with the first team. What quarter are we going to see Brady Quinn into this game? Put him in the spotlight. You know, he's such a hot name, and he's not playing. Monday night he's football. From, from Ohio. The game's in Cleveland. They'll just sell jerseys if they throw him in. I mean, they'll make money either way. I think he's selling jerseys being on the, on yeah, the bench. It's true. I mean, it's, the home, kind of a hometown kid. I think he's more from the Columbus area. I'm not positive. But... The, uh, he, they love him there. Derek Anderson is not getting the job done. He's thrown for about 50%. I say, if Brady Quinn's not in by halftime, I'll be surprised. Definitely to start the third quarter. I'm just I'm willing to guess that Cleveland will be down 21-3 at halftime. Unless, unless they score on special teams or defense. I mean, they have Kellen Winslow. Probably won't play. He got sick. He's, he's hospitalized. Playing. He's yeah. not. Braylon Edwards can't catch a ball. Somehow he's dropping everything. I've never seen him do that before, but he's dropping everything. They don't. Jamal Lewis is just not. They're himself. not giving him the ball. I mean, when you have Jamal Lewis, a guy who rushed for two thousand yards five years ago, and you're giving him the ball only fifteen times, something's wrong. A back that big and that quick, you've got to set up the Work run. Him. Work yeah, him. exactly, exactly. And I, they're just Romeo Cornell's on his way out there. I, the head coach of the mm. Browns. Oh yeah. I mean, if they don't get things together, he's they just barely missed the playoffs this year or last year, and they they look nowhere close this year. It just shows that no matter how good of a coach you are, you you got to have good players. You got to have something to work with, and Cleveland's just not making an effort to really. They're missing a couple of pieces there. They're just not really making an effort to build their team very in a sound foundation. Yeah, and then. We got a couple other things, things going on with Michigan State. The volleyball team they split this weekend. They beat Northwestern on Friday, three sets to two, but then they lost 3-0 to Wisconsin on Saturday. Yeah. Men's soccer shut out Indiana two zip. Now I don't really follow the men's soccer team, but I know for a fact that Indiana is a perennial national mm-hmm. powerhouse. Mm-hmm. They are very good, was, and to shut them out is just it was zero zero until the 83rd minute. Oh, was it? Yeah, and then wow. and then Demartin scored. Yeah. And then they threw in another one right away. Doug DeMartin. Yeah. Yes. And then the women's soccer team is, go figure, Laura Haybor is just going nuts. Pavel, it's you've actually, been doing a story. Well, yeah, I've been doing a story on her, and it's actually Highbor. Excuse me. No. I apologize. Laura, Laura Highbor. Well, you've been doing a story and Absolutely. about how um, prolific her scoring numbers are. You know, it's amazing. She has 16 goals, which has doubled what the leading goal scorer had last year for the team. And not even that. She has 16 goals. The entire women's team altogether all season last year uh, had 18. So she's yeah. two short of that. She has 40 points, which is more than doubled the output of the leading scorer last year, Lauren Hill. Um, not only that, yesterday they beat Penn State, who is was number one in the Big Ten this year, and they hadn't beat them since 1995. Jeez. Penn State is the powerhouse of women's soccer in the, the Big Ten and in the country, and they finally beat them, and um, they're just playing some really good soccer. Uh, Laura Highbor had a hat trick on Friday, and then she had a goal and an assist on Sunday yesterday. She was named Big Ten Player, Big Offensive Ten, Player, of Offensive the week. Big Ten Player reason. of the Week again. I mean, as a freshman, that's very rarely in any sport do you see a freshman come in. Basketball a little bit more Maybe. recently. Now that guys can't go straight to the NBA, they've made more of an impact. Boy, that look across the board. You hardly ever see that she's lived up to her hype. Uh, just 
unbelievably well. I mean, you can't ask for more. She's changed that team so much. She is the impact player. With her scoring so many goals, it's letting other girls really open up their offense, and they're just having so much fun. They're scoring so many goals. They're the highest-scoring team in the Big Ten, and they lead that category by at least 10 goals on the And second. that's with getting shut out one weekend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Two games um, in a row. Their defense is great. They have seven shutouts already um, because Laura Highbor is scoring so much. Lauren Hill has gotten in on the action. Lauren Sinicola. Uh, women's soccer is a really exciting thing to watch. I was there on Friday and Sunday, and um, if you haven't seen a game, go out to the Martin Stadium and uh, check out the games. They'll be New back field. home on uh, August, uh, October 26th. So they got three road games coming up. They need to learn how to win on the road. Right. That's Besides where that, that's where they've struggled. They're twelve and three, four and two in the Big Ten. Uh, they only had seven wins all last year. Wow. Wow. Not One bad. and ten last year in the in conference play. Yeah, that's that's unbelievable. I'll take I mean, it. That's fantastic for Michigan State sports right there. Then some other news we brought. I brought up quickly last week. Kimbo Slice. He got knocked out in ten <laughs> seconds by some guy. They pulled off the street. Turns out the Florida Gaming Commission is actually looking into that, inspecting it. Apparently the guy who beat him, Seth Petrozelli, did an interview at a local Orlando radio show, and he let it slip that the Elite XC, I do believe, is the league that Kimbo Slice fights and the fight was in. They told him that they would make it worth his while if he didn't take the fight to the ground. And the reason being that... This guy is a very good ground fighter. He's more of a judo guy, whereas Kimbo Slice is the huge... He's YouTube famous on YouTube for street fighting. And so they figured people would bet on Petrozelli because he'd take it to the ground. Well, they told him that they would pay him a lot if he didn't do that. So people would bet and then do that. So they tried to tried to influence the fight and even backfired on him still. And so probably that whole league is probably going to get shut down because of all of this. And it's just They were basically writing the guy who was making him the most money and fixing him to win. Exactly. That's because exactly Kimbo what Slice, they did. They built him up to be this fantastic superstar fighter, and he's nothing but oh, he's a, street a guy fighter. who's a backyard a whole bunch of business guys oh, yeah. fix his fights. And then another, another, some impact news here. The radio station, the impact... We've been nominated for Best College Radio Station by MTV. They have these Woody Awards. We got nominated. You can go online and vote at mtvu.com. Search for or look, click on the Woody Awards section. Best College Radio Station. You can vote as often as you want, as many times as you can. Go out, vote for us. I mean, we're the, we're the best college radio station there is. Vote for change. <laughs> not quite. Not quite change. Vote for the impact. Vote we've for got, quality. We've got a huge game coming up, football. MSU Ohio State, three thirty game, here in East Lansing. Talk about taking one oh, step forward. We could take f- ten steps forward if we knock off. It'll Ohio be huge. State. I think it's going to be tough. Ohio State's red zone offense struggles right now. They haven't been. They scored zero touchdowns on offense. I think Beanie Wells is going to get one hundred fifty yards. He will, but it's it will be one of the best games of the year. If you, wow. if you can cancel you out, here first. If you can cancel out Beanie Wells 150 with Javon exactly. Ringer's 150. Focus on Be- let Beanie Wells get his. It's like when the Pistons played the Lakers for the championship way back when. Let Shaq get his. Stop everybody else. Let Beanie Wells get 150 yards. Make sure that Terrell Pryor doesn't change the game. It should be a fantastic game. I'm looking forward to that. We've got pro- other great sports going on. It's been a great hour. 
I would like to thank Mario and Pemba yet again. Thanks, Pavel and Clark coming in. Brandon giving his input. And Autumn, always engineering. Thank you. It's been great. Tune in next week. We'll be back. See ya. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.